the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Well, welcome to the SpotTrack.com podcast. Kevin Sylvester, along with Paul Peck and the founder of SpotTrack.com, Mike Gennetti, here. We're going to talk a lot of baseball today, but we, we, we're going to talk some football first. Yep. Because there are news with the Giants and Odell Beckham Jr., whom I think you do. We bring, do we bring it up on the podcast? The pictures from uh, Europe, or do we? Uh, we were just talking about that, weren't we? Like off the air, yeah. Sometime, yeah. I don't think we formally talked about this yet. Yeah, there were some. Uh, well, Paul, you took the pictures, so why don't you? Tell oh, me? stop it! <laughs> uh, you mean more questionable behavior from Odell Beckham? Is that what you're referring to? Yes. All right. All right. Yeah. So now, obviously, you said this, Kevin. There, 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 it, it, whether it's news or not is open for interpretation. But you know, clearly, Odell comes out and says, "I'm not getting on the field without a new yep. contract." And the Giants are like, "We're tired of hearing you whine and complain." And then there was rumors floated out, floated out whether they're true or not that the Giants may be interested in trading him um, as opposed to having to play him. It sets up a very interesting conundrum for the Giants. That's That's a a good word, isn't that a good word? It's not a conundrum. Their Uh, owner said he's tired of answering questions No, no, he said he's tired of answering questions about his behavior. But that doesn't mean they aren't going to pay him, and that's where this is interesting. As a player, he is worthy of being paid amongst the best, if not the highest ever, for a wide receiver. But there's all these other things that go along with him, Mike, that makes it a challenge for the Giants and might actually make the Giants listen to what else somebody might be willing to give them for him. I think they're listening because they want to listen, but I also think they're listening because listening and putting him on the trade block essentially says I'm not paying you 20 million a year. It means it means if we if we show that, that our hand that we're willing to at least listen to offers possibly that price can drop. It's not going to drop. None of this matters, right? We've seen this too many times. This is a too important a position in terms of this passing modern era of football. Uh this is I, I mean arguably this is the best wide receiver in football. I I think there's I think you could have an argument about it in terms sure. of some other guys out Him there. Him and Julio Jones and Antonio Brown, yeah. maybe if you want to continue that further argument. Yeah, uh, I'd take Julio Jones over Beckham Jr. Yeah, uh, you know, it, it, they're different kind of players. You know, I mean, that's that's what what makes him good. He's a game breaker. You know, he he is an incredibly athletic game breaker. Julio take, Jones is a much bigger, taller kind of red zoney guy. I'm gonna take the guy in Cincinnati when healthy better. Oh, AJ over. Green. Yeah, I take AJ right. Green over. So but, ultimately, Mike, the, the the question for the Giants is going to become, you know. The production is worthy of the contract, but the behavior isn't always. And he's not been a great team guy. And you know he seems to be caught up a little bit in the in being famous for being Odell Beckham, which happens to a lot of guys, particularly when they play in New York. So the question is, what's what's the market? The, the you know with a couple of signings over the last couple of months, that receiver market has kind of been set. So if the Giants are willing to pay for Beckham and overlook all that other stuff, what are we talking about? So look, there's there's two angles to take here. Let's just assume the Giants are going to sign him because until they don't sign him, they're going to sign him, right? I mean, this guy is just he he changes the dynamic of your offense. So so for all intents and purposes here, let's just say this is a contract extension with the Giants. Um, there's two angles here. Number one is Mike Evans, which he he was finally rewarded for his efforts in Tampa Bay. Similar situation, actually a higher draft pick, the the second highest draft pick out of that this really nice 2014 wide receiver class. Right? Sammy Watkins is one, and we'll get to him yeah. next. He's okay. the other angle. All right, thanks, Kevin. <laughs> Spoiler. Sorry, I was foreshadowing. <laughs> so, foreshadowing. So, foreshadowing. 
the structure on Evan's contract, it's interesting because Tampa Bay doesn't offer you a signing bonus, right? So any kind of guaranteed money is going to be a salary and it's going to be either up front or it's going to be rolling, which means it's going to happen as you hit the roster. So Tampa Bay is a little bit of an outlier in terms of how they structure their money, but Mike Evans still got a ton of money. He got $38 million guaranteed over the first two years, which if you can do the simple math, we're talking $19 million a year. So so Beckham Jr. is not just throwing $20 million out there for no, for his own good. You know right. what I mean? That, that's the next man up. That's what it's going to take over a two-year period to get him done. And 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 you can argue if you think Mike Evans is a, a better option in terms of a wide receiver for your team, but the Giants have him right now. They have him at $8.5 million, which is half of where he thinks he belongs. Um, <clears throat> and look, at if you're talking about you know a three-year deal, which I think is the direction NFL contracts appear to be going, right? I mean, the free agency season has sort of lent itself to that, and, and we've talked to a few you know guests last week that, that sort of lent itself to that. We're talking about three years, $55 million for Mike Evans. Again, $18, 19000000 million a year for three years. Um, so it's not it's not like Beckham's crazy and saying, I'm a $20 million per year guy. The problem is Beckham's an injury-prone guy. He's been injured, and that leads us to the other angler, which is Sammy Watkins, a guy the Bills you know, traded up to get. He never panned out productive-wise. He had three really bad injuries in yes. terms of, of splitting the years in half. He couldn't, he couldn't stay on the, on the field for six weeks. He actually weeks. has an artificial foot right yeah, now. that's right. No, he does not. And the Chiefs are will, paying <laughs> no, had, $30 million for that foot. Irre, irre, yes. recurring foot injury that, thankfully, he overcame this past year. Yeah, he appears to be healthy. Yeah. Uh, he went to an offense that didn't need him as much. They weren't reliant on him as much. And I think that was a draw for the Chiefs as well. He's going to be a, a, a cog in that wheel. With a young, fast, spread out offense, um, but look at nuts and bolts. Sammy Watkins is getting thirty-four million over two years, thirty million of which is fully guaranteed right now. So, again, that's fifteen million over two years for a guy who couldn't stay on the field, who has a ton of upside, and he's twenty-four years old. Beckham's twenty-five, can't stay on the field, has more upside than Sammy Watkins. Mm-hmm. Some people think. I'm not sure that everybody in the room would say that, but. Uh, so he's not crazy to go out and say, I need $40 million for two years, guaranteed. He's not crazy to say it because that's what the numbers for the other wide receivers in his draft class have said. What's crazy is he's got off-the-field incidents. He's got injuries. He's loud, right? He's not, he's not saying everything that, that you want a guy to be saying who's going to you know, be worth $40 million over two years. So uh, there's a lot to say. But if you believe in him, is he worth two first-round picks and then $40 million guaranteed? Because that's those are the numbers. It's it's the it's the old debate that's gone on in the NFL forever. Yeah. Uh, what's more important, what the guy does on the field yep. or what he does as a total picture? And let's be honest, there are plenty of teams that will look the other way at all of that other stuff if the guy performs on the field. Now, are the Giants one of them? That's kind of what we're waiting to find out. Is he worth the fourth overall pick in this draft? Yep. Well, then there's there's the other angle. If you're gonna if you're legitimately serious about trading him. Boy, that seems a lot. That seems awfully high to me. If I'm another team, how? I mean, you got you got somebody for the Browns to throw. Uh, you know, whether it's Tyrod Taylor to start or and Josh Darnold to finish the season to throw to Odell Beckham Jr. Now the Browns are different because they've got the first pick, right? If it, you know, I think it's different. You, you might be willing, more willing to trade that number four because you already have the one right. you're getting your quarterback. But if you're another team that only has one first round pick in the top five or six. Is it worth it to get Odell Beckham and everything both positively and negatively that comes with him or to go and draft your own guy? Let me throw two things at you here. Brandon Cooks was traded to the Patriots last year, right? Super similar draft position, exact same salary for this year, 
but you you toss in last year as well, right? You toss in his eight hundred thousand dollars last year. So you got you got a two year span out of him. He he cost them a first round pick and a swap of third to fourth. He, so it was one first and then essentially a third round pick is what you got for. Brandon it was a Cooks. low first too, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah. So w- what you're th- essentially saying is, how much better is o- Odell Beckham Jr. one year later with just that fifth year option, eight point five million, than Brandon Cooks? And then we can take it another step further and say Jarvis Landry on his fifteen million dollar franchise tag got you what a fourth year, a fourth, a fourth, a fourth round pick straight up, right? For a sixteen million dollar salary, which the Browns had no trouble handling. So is Jarvis Landry that much that much lower down than Odell Beckham Jr.? I'm not sure. Uh, Jarvis Landry's got 1,200, 1200 yards and ten touchdowns in terms of his. I don't think he's the anywhere year. the game breaker that Beckham has, but he also hasn't had great quarterbacks so, either. Jarvis. So let's Landry. talk about stats and game breaker because I think the Sammy Watkins situation is something to really talk about here with Beckham. Right? There's a reason that that Sammy Watkins got what he got from them and was able to stay healthy with the Rams, and we talked about it. Right? He's not the only man on the field. He's not the only weapon. He's not going to give you 1,500 yards receiving because there are other pieces to their puzzle, and, and that's how you keep these guys healthy. Let's be honest here, right? Mm-hmm. That's just how it has to happen in this game right now because there's, if you're going to pass that much, if the passing game is going to be that explosive and that important to your offense, then, yeah, running backs have to get involved. You've got to have slashing wide receivers. You can't just throw a guy out there and say, you're a great, you've are a you got great hands. Go catch me 130 balls. It's not that, going to happen anymore. That's an adjustment, I think, for a lot of fans who automatically equate right. high salary with ultra-high production. Stats. Um, and stats. And it's still and how I we're think, doing it. It's and, still and, how and we're I, Yeah, and I think the game is moving a little bit away from yeah. that. You know, uh, you know, I, I think it's unfair to assume that if the guy is the highest-paid defensive uh, lineman in the NFL that he's going to have 20 sacks. Yeah, it, 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 it doesn't happen. Um, like you said, you're going to pay Sammy Watkins a ton of money, and the ultimate year for him might be eight touchdowns and 65 catches. Yeah. So, so saying all that, and I think we all agree with that, right? That it's more, it's becoming a depth situation where you've you've got to have maybe a tight end in, in play, maybe two good wide receivers, and definitely a running back who can catch the ball out of the backfield. That's I, that's all becoming the norm in terms of how teams are free agent signings and and draft picks. That that's just where teams are going. That's where football's going. So, are we getting to a point where twenty million is is silly for one player? An often not a non quarterback. Well, I was just going to say, a outside of a quarterback, yeah. I want to say yeah. yes. Yeah, I'm going to say yes. Right? Shouldn't it be going the other way? Shouldn't shouldn't we be going down? I mean, Sammy Watkins got 15 but not a when year. salary caps keep going up. Maybe, maybe. But what if you have again? To get you, two? I know you like to play with percentage of yeah. cap. Yeah. Maybe that's the better barometer yeah. of it. I right? would pay. I would pay a Gronk like tight end twenty million because I think he opens up everything for everybody. And else. there's only maybe two or three of them at any one right. time in the league. I mean, why, why are the Patriots able to to you know uh, plug and play wide receivers? I know they traded for Brandon Cooks. I mean, it's not like they don't have good wide receivers, but. You know, plug and yeah, play. Yeah, they guys. haven't paid Brandon. Haven't paid Brandon Cooks. No, haven't paid him. No, yet. they they got him knowing he was going to be a value at For nine sure. million this year. And, right, and, and, and more that's than likely brilliance. they won't pay him. They definitely won't no. pay him. <laughs> no, they won't. So because they, they have plug and play because of what Gronk does for the rest of the passing game. Yeah. So I, I think the Beckham situation is less about Beckham because look at two years ago he's getting twenty. He's already got twenty million. It's done. Three years, three years into his contract, the rookie contract, he's getting the extension. It's done. He's he, he showed he could do it. But we're at a point now where I think teams are having this conversation where the Chiefs and the Eagles and the Rams and these explosive spread out offenses with less money allocated to one person and more money allocated across the front are winning. They're winning. They're winning playoff games. They're winning Super Bowls. So 
it, it's less about is he worth it and more about do we need it? Do we need to spend $20 million on him or can we get two versions of him at $8 million a piece? And get the same level of production. Yeah, combined. Right. That's uh, well. The Chiefs great, are great, the Chiefs uh, are a, debate. a super sure. interesting are uh, interesting case study this year because of Kelsey, yes. because of Tyreek Hill, yes. because of Watkins, and because of Kareem Hunt. And so, so Patrick Mahomes none is the of biggest those, piece to that. Well, of course, <laughs> the cheapest but, part of this of the tripod there. But if their <laughs> offense operates at the level that they expect, none of those guys are going to necessarily lead the league or put up these ridiculous Pro Bowl level numbers. But as a collective group, they merit may very well be a top five offense how do you determine who's supposed to get paid in that sort of a setting very interesting for agents and nfl cap guys to look moving forward if that's the model well you also determine by the which ones you don't have to answer questions about off-field behavior yeah, that's true. I mean, I mean, Watkins, Watkins just can't stay healthy. That's really his only onus. I mean, he's the number four he pick. Did. He's the highest pick of all these wide receivers we're talking about, and he's he's he had concussion issues fifth. last year. He did. Yes, he did. Yeah. Um, but he's not the highest paid wide receiver in football, and any other year he would be. You're drafted there, and you've shown you've, you're 24 years old, and you've got that ceiling. You're going to get the highest, the most money with wide receivers ever seen. That didn't happen with him. Yes, he got 30 million guaranteed. But fifteen million a year—that puts him, you know, fourth or fifth right now, and it's going to go down as more more contracts signed. Here. The other fascinating thing about Sammy Watkins being that first pick taken in that draft—he's on his third football team. Yeah, already. That's yeah. something that, that is said, interesting. Right? Yeah, that is very interesting. Brandon Cooks traded, Jarvis Landry traded, maybe Odell Beckham Jr. traded. I, I, I think we're—I think there's a conversation to have here about wide receivers being divas. Yeah, <laughs> look at well, right? devalued, not just diva, diva and devalued. devalued. Well, because and again, it's it's back to Kevin's point. Gronk is getting what he's getting because there are maybe one or two other players like him in the league. Odell Beckham, there's 25 guys sort of like him in yeah. the league. Yeah. Supply and demand. That's right. I, I mean, and and a good catching running back is just as valuable as of which you can get in the third round like the Chiefs did with Kareem Hunt and Alvin Kamara in New Orleans. Let so, me ask you this, uh what do you think's more valuable now? Um you can look up monetarily what's more valuable now mm-hmm. and I'm sure it's the wide receiver position but cornerback to me I think is more valuable than no, receivers. It's, it's very close. The, the the average salaries per year in terms of the top 10 are very very close. They're very they're very similar positions and and it, as they should be they should be yeah they yes. compete they're directly competing yeah. with each other you need other. the guy to stop the guy just that, like that, that, that you're throwing the ball just to. like I've heard agents for years and it makes sense if you if you rush the quarterback you should be paid like the quarterback right <laughs> if your job is to stop the guy who's making 24 million pay me 20 million it goes back to <laughs> it goes back to the great the blind side yeah you need the left tackle to stop the guy who's Boy, trying we saw to that stop this the quarterback year too. didn't we right? yeah. Yeah. you know it's Oof. it's those particular positions yeah. of impact which which aside from the fact are hard to find to begin with yes. but because they are so much more valuable than a middle linebacker or a center is, you're always going to pay more to the edge rusher and the left tackle. All right, let me ask you both this question, and I'm not sure I know how I'd answer this, so I'm going to wait to see your answer first. No. Um, would you rather have the best cornerback in the league or yeah. the best wide receiver in the league? Paul, you first. Cornerback. You'd rather the best cornerback. They're, they're harder to find, and they can impact everything that you do, whereas I don't may, I can still be successful with the seventh best wide receiver. As long as I have seven, 19, and 22 at my wide receivers, I can be just as successful, but, I, but, I, but I'm not going to be as successful with the seventh, 19th, and 22nd best corners. I'd rather have Tyron Matthew at $7 million. 
which is what the Texans ended up doing this year. Um, versatility is really what I'm talking about here. If I, I'd, I'd love to have a shutdown corner, but does that exist anymore? And, do, and is it necessary? Is no, it it's necessary? not necessary. Is because it necessary because offenses. of this conversation we're having? Yes. So, again, both of these numbers are going to get really interesting soon because, like I said, they're similar right now. But if you're not having a $20 million wide receiver who's the the all, albeit guy on that roster, right, and the offense, you have to stop as a defense. Then you don't need a $20 million quarterback right. to stop him. You need three and three to complement him. Yeah. I'd rather have the best receiver um, than the best cornerback okay. because the best receiver – um, he's going to, well, I'm, I might face that best cornerback 14, uh, two times if he's in my division. Yep. I'll face everybody else 14 times, and he's going to have bigger games more often than not, and he's going to open more things up, make my quarterback better. I, I would rather have the best receiver. Well, and I'll counter your argument, Kevin, by saying no, even we're out the, of time. We have to move even on. Even the best wide receiver <laughs> might catch six or seven passes a game. Yeah. Yes. Uh, the best corner is out there for 55 or 60 plays, right. and if he can take one guy or one side out, that changes everything that you do as a defense. And they're tackling running backs, too. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I agree. A more versatile cornerback, I think, is is – I mean, I don't, I don't want to pay him $16 million. I don't want to be Stefan Gilmore. I would, I, take Jer- I would take Jerry Rice over Darrell Revis any day. Oof. Oh, I would. That's a tough conversation. That's a really tough conversation. All right, I'll save that for. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll, you know what? We'll save that for the post show. All okay. right. We do it. Got uh, it. We do this live on Facebook for those who are listening to this. So uh, make sure you check out the SpotTrack.com Facebook page. You'll see the video of it here, and uh, we'll discuss this more. But we got to talk some baseball yeah. here on the podcast because it's right around the corner. Like, literally, it is just right around the corner from uh, our recording time here for the start of Major League Baseball season. And you have the ultimate guide up at SpotTrack.com for the opening day financial guide, how much money teams are spending per team, how much money they're spending on position, how much they're spending compared to 2017. Uh, it, it's all there and it's a lot of great numbers. What stood out? Well, what stood out to you the most? If you could pick one thing yep. from this chart, and we'll dive more into it, but just initially, the thing that in your research stood out to you the most. Yeah, I want to dive down about halfway down this article here, where I, I spent some time talking about this year versus last year in terms of the money, right? So I, I actually show the the amount of dollars changed in terms of payroll from this year to, to last year, and, and really, you, you just kind of see there, there's some scenarios you see, and, and they're for different reasons. So the, the the team that shed the most payroll, the, the the Tigers, the Detroit Tigers, they shed nearly seventy million dollars in payroll from last year, and that's getting rid of Verlander. That's that's just trimming all the fat. They had some retained salaries for pitchers that were just getting up in age. They traded away a ton of people in the past 18 months or so. Um, good luck, Tigers fans. Yeah, have a, have a good year. Um, but By the way, did I see Cabrera? He doesn't know his teammates' names. He just calls them all bro. Yeah, that's what I, I did read that same article. <laughs> you know what? If he produces that the way the, he does, it doesn't matter. He doesn't really even matter. bother to learn their names. That is the ultimate sign of a rebuild, which is exactly what we're saying here. So, and and this, this, the batting lineup said bro, 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 Cabrera, bro, 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 bro. <laughs> Isn't that kind of accurate, and, too? And I'm, I'm going I'm to take some time and do some, uh, some, some uh, starting lineup numbers here in the next 48 hours, and I'm going to guess – that Miguel, Miguel Cabrera's $31 million is going to be, if not close, more than the rest of the starting line. So I'm going to guess that's where the Tigers are in terms of those numbers. They have shed everybody in term, that means anything except for Cabrera. And I think it's because Cabrera's not tradable. I mean, Cabrera's worth $31 million a year. He's getting right. up there in age. He's got like $300 million left on that contract. Ugh. They extended him in the middle of a huge contract, and it's just going to be so much money to pay for a guy who's already having tons of injury issues. But all right, so, so the... Clearly, the Tigers are rebuilding. That's the reason for them shedding their money. 
But the next two, the next two teams on this list, the, the Dodgers actually shed fifty-six million dollars, and the Yankees shed thirty-five million. Very different reasons, right? Very different reasons. Th- these are teams that already had the youth in place, the, maybe the past year or two years in the Dodgers' case, and they they did their rebuild two years ago, right? And so they were carrying dead dead money, which is what we talk about in football. They were carrying re- retained salaries, buyouts, buried money. Guys, they just had to release, get rid of trade, whatever they could do to get them off the roster because they had 24-year-olds ready to play, and we, we saw what happened with that last year. So obviously the Yankees and the Dodgers are younger. They're cheaper in terms of their current payroll. They're still paying some uh, some prices for, for guys that are, aren't on the roster. The Yankees are not paying for Alex Rodriguez anymore, I can tell you that. That's a that's the first time in a long time they haven't, they haven't had to do that. Um, but there are some some teams like that who are just on the on the backside of their rebuilds in terms of their their payroll, their money. And uh, they'll be going forward from here. Let's flip the switch. Let's talk about the Houston Astros because obviously all over this article, the Astros are really, really interesting in how they've kind of gone from super dirt cheap payrolls, you know, with really young guys to acquiring Verlander and paying some of their guys in terms of arbitration and extensions. They're in a more formidable situation now, right? They're, they've added $35 million in payroll from last year, which is a huge deal for a Verlander's small market a big, team. big piece of that, right? He's a big piece. They gave. They finally extended Jose Altuve. They gave him 158 million dollars, um, and then they had 12 arbitration eligible players, which is the second most in all of baseball. So they they had the cream kind of came to the to the top here in terms of the, all those pre arbitration 500 thousand dollars salaries. Now they're paying those guys 78 million dollars, and and it's kind of you know come to fruition from there. But look at they're they're young, they're good, they're, they're they are a top three team in the league right now. They've done nothing to to make themselves worse in terms of. Their roster, their payroll is ninth, so they can. It's not like they're you know sitting atop the league and in luxury tax trouble. Um, but that's definitely a team to watch because they've done everything right for five years in terms of getting themselves to this point. They've got the World Series under their belt and they're 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 paying for it a little bit, but they're still you know in really good shape. You know, I was looking at. I want to go back to the Yankees for a second because they were over two hundred million last year yep. and they are what hundred seventh. Seventh, which is unheard Crazy. of for a Yankees. When was the last right. time the Yankees unheard were that of. low? It's it's a story all in itself. But they made they made the big trade for Giancarlo Stanton. Yeah, and they went down thirty five million. That's the A Rod money. A, a lot of retained money. A lot of guys. I mean, obviously Sabathia is now half of what he used to be. Right. I mean, he was twenty five million dollars last year. Not in size. <laughs> I don't know. I haven't seen him yet. I haven't seen him. I've heard some stories that there's guys across the league really getting in shape. So okay, yeah, we'll see it. Let me tell you, guys. I like him, by the way. Let me tell you, really like a numbers that I ran on a guy who is not getting in shape and is not going to be playing baseball anymore. Prince Fielder. Remember Prince Fielder? Yeah. Oh yeah. Prince Fielder had to retire from a neck injury last year. And he's making fifteen million a year for the next three years from two teams. To not play. To not play. And that's with an insurance money built in. They took nine million out for insurance and he's still getting fifteen million a year. He, uh, the Brewers are still paying him? Uh Texas. Yeah. And both. the Rangers. Yeah. Right. Okay. So, yeah. It's uh it's unfortunate that he can't play, but I think he's going to be okay. By the way, do uh, do Cecil and Prince have the most home runs by? No, it'd be Griffey, right? I'm going to say the yeah. father son. Oh yeah, be yeah. the Griffies. Yeah, the right. Griffies. Okay, yeah. So I, that's something I noticed when I came up. There's and, and we're, we're tracking all that too. We've got deferred salaries and buried salaries, and, and those are kind of the keywords that we're talking about in this article. But there's some teams who are still paying for that, like, like we mentioned with Fielder. There's some teams who have that kind of money on their payroll right now. 
um, to a pretty good extent. I mean, there's some there's teams over 30 million in terms of buried and retained money, and you can kind of see them going through the process of getting rid of you know bad contracts. And there's no way to do that in baseball. This money is all guaranteed. It's just something you have to you have to figure out a timeline for and how you're going to trade them or, or or release them and go from there. But um, another thing to look at, and I really want to have five minutes on it because it's we talked about it a little bit last season at the end of last season, and it's kind of come back to full circle here. We're talking about opening day salaries, right? They haven't even played a game yet. And we've got teams with over $30 million in disabled list <laughs> payroll right now. I mean, we've got two teams, the Giants and the Marlins. Believe it or not, the Marlins, who have the lowest payroll in all of baseball, they've got $31 million allocated to their disabled list to start the year. They've only got $50 million in, in payroll going, going to the active roster to start 2018. It's by far the lowest. It's Are those chunks of players or like big chunks of an injured high-priced guy? <laughs> yeah, so they've got three guys worth more than $10 million on their entire roster, and two of them are on the disabled list well, right now. There you go. That'll so, do it. So, hey, I want to save uh, all the letters and all of you commenting right now. It's the Bonds. Barry oh, yeah. what and Bobby. Oh, yeah. yeah. More than the Griffies, huh? Yeah. Okay. By, yeah, I don't think by... Senior had too many. No, Senior did not have too many. No, he was a slasher. <laughs> <Right>. Junior had <laughs> 630 combined. They had 782. And when you look at the bonds, it was uh, 762 for Barry. But, you know. Yeah, asterisk. Right. There's asterisk. a little asterisk there. No asterisk but, uh, next to Griffey. Bobby had over 300. So they were well, over 1,000 together. Yeah, yeah, yeah they're, they're right. okay. So save your letters, emails <laughs> uh, with it. I knew I had to check that. I mean, they're not even, they're not even third, I don't think. The Alamars are like third. Which doesn't seem right. Wow. Cecil and Prince, you would think, were, I don't know. The Alamars. Yeah, that can't even be right. It's not even right. That's got to be dead. But we know Bonds, the Bonds, all right. Not to digress, I want to talk about your favorite team, the Mets. You're wearing a Mets hat. I am. My team. I'll support them through and through for 162 games. Yeah. They're spending spending less money than last year by about 35,000. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they pretty <laughs> much go. know who they are. Way to go! There's yeah. the stamps and the season ticket holder letters. Yeah, they know who they are. Um, look at this—a big year for the Mets because, and, and there's a few teams out there like this. The, the, this is their the culmination of this starting rotation that you know was supposed to be their young, great key to the World Series for three, four years because they all kind of came up at the same time and they were all super cheap at the same time, and now they're all on big arbitration salaries, and Matt Harvey, who knows if he can stay healthy for more than two yeah. starts, and Matt, Steven Matt, same way. So look at Syndergaard and DeGrom. They're two of the most electric pitchers in all of baseball, and they're dirt cheap. All right? I mean, this Mets, this Mets starting rotation is costing them $23 million. It's middle of the pack. So they're still dirt cheap in terms of what they should be able to offer you on the field and, and, and versus what they're costing. Um, but that's that's where this conversation ends. They're going to go hit a ton of home runs. They're going to be like the Yankees and hit a ton of home runs because they built themselves to do that. Um, and that's just really how the league is kind of forming back in, in a fold. It's kind of like the 15 years ago coming back around, right? The, you know, chicks dig the long ball kind Earl, of situation, yeah. right? Even back to the old Earl Weaver, <laughs> the old Earl Weaver Orioles days yeah. of the 70s yeah. and 80s. Launch angle. Wait around for the three-run homer. Talking about this on the drive here, launch angle and exit velocity and spin rate for pitchers, and that's where we are. That, those are the stats people care about because <laughs> that puts the ball into, into it, the stands. It, it and, reminds me a lot of if you've been caught up in watching March Madness, if you've been paying attention to the sport of basketball, you've noticed how analytics have changed the sport of basketball. Nobody takes a 15-foot 
jumper anymore. No, no. It is analytically a poor choice. Don't get her shooting And we've wrong. gotten to that point with baseball where small ball doesn't make any sense. Load yourself up with a bunch of power hitters, have them hit three home runs a game, and win a bunch of games 6-4. And didn't Steph Curry say that? Didn't he, didn't he bring back chicks thing the long ball? Yeah. I think he did, right? Because you're talking about that with the three and how you're better off shooting a three than anywhere else. That's right. Yeah. I mean, it is. It's tough to argue. Basketball is about threes and dunks. Mm -hmm. Um, NFL, right? It's a passing game. We talked about, hey, you you pay the receivers, the quarterbacks, the guys who sack the quarterback, guy protect the quarterback. In baseball, you, you, you pay the home run hitters and the pitchers. That's right. That's right. And that's where we are. So, uh, you know, when you look at these payrolls, you're seeing that reflected. And, and really, that one of the reasons you're seeing the Yankees be seventh and not first or second, like always, is their home run hitters are costing them nothing. I mean, Aaron Judge yeah. is worth a million dollars. Gary Sanchez, Sanchez is $800,000. I mean, there's your value right off the top right there. So, Judge, that's amazing. It's that pretty is amazing. amazing. Well, he's still on a rookie deal, right? Right. You know, it's... Uh... Yeah, yeah, he's got like four more years left on that, too. So him and Sanchez. So... The, the, Watch them, enjoy them, because I don't think it's going away. I think, you know, the the, the infusion of Giancarlo Stanton was just kind of normalizing their payroll. Yeah, it's so interesting to see the evolution of the Yankees, because for most of our lifetimes, it has always been go out and spend the most on the biggest name players. And then there was that very interesting shift. Uh, um, to developing a farm system that can bring them those Sanchez's and judges. And now you're in a position where you have these great players on these manageable contracts, which now allow you to go back out and cherry pick what you want I, the free agent market. I'm going to give football some credit here, which is something I rarely do when talking baseball, because the, the, I think the football dichotomy of how the, the process plays out, right? You, you kind of saw Russell Wilson come in. Remember when that happened, when Russell Wilson came in to the Seahawks camp and it was supposed to be Matt Flynn all the way. It was, right. was going to be Matt Flynn for two years. And if Russell Wilson worked out, so be it. And Wilson took over in like three days of training camp. Do you remember that? Yes. Remember, remember mm-hmm. he, it was Pete a, Carroll it was came very out. very shocking. It was done. Pete Carroll knew it from like the first practice that this was done. And that really changed NFL salary caps. It really did. I mean, when that was allowed to happen, when you, when you were allowed to put a guy that cheap at the quarterback position... The, the whole rest of that Seahawks team for the next six years changed because you could throw a ton of money at the defense. You could, you know, they devalued the running back at the same time. So that, that money came off the books. You paid a couple of wide receivers and a, and a couple of really good tight ends. And that's how they got good. And, and, and people saw that that process could happen if they played their cards right, right? It's, we've talked about trusting the process and the timeline of the salary cap. Baseball figured that out. And obviously the Astros figured that out you know, immensely to that to, over the last six years that got them to last year's World Series. The Yankees just bought into that. The Yankees just figured out that that was the way it's not money ball in a sense as they're still paying their veterans a ton of money. I mean, you know, you know, you're brought, you're bringing in free agents at 25 million still. That's not going away yet, but you're able to see that. I, I, I think what I'm saying here, and remember is, there's no salary cap on how right. much you can spend in your development. Right. But, but I think what I, I think what I'm saying here is, you don't have to be afraid to pay guys that cost five hundred thousand dollars. You right. should want to play, pay, play them right now. Yes, they're, it's not a slap in the face to anybody if you're playing those guys if they're better than the veterans. Yes, you've got twenty. I mean, the Cubs might maybe putting twenty one million dollar Jason Hayward on the bench this year. It's just going to happen, I think, because those kids are ready to play. And who cares? The Cubs if they cost are a very similar example. They, they had no hesitancy to play Rizzo no. and Bryant and those guys. No, I mean. 
Well, whereas whereas ten years ago, you, you paid Albert Pujols twenty million dollars. He's playing one hundred sixty-two games if he's healthy, yeah. and that that's just that it's not there anymore. If if the if the five hundred thousand dollar guy is good enough to play, play him because he's in your long term plan. He he is the way you circumvent this payroll situation. Well, you know it's interesting. Uh, John Butler, the late uh, former Bills GM and Chargers GM, when the cap first came in, and I remember having a conversation with him about it, and he just said to me, he "Goes, it's not the Jim Kellys, it's not the Thurman Thomas." It's all the other guys who cost a million bucks each. Yeah. You know, if you keep them around, that kill your the cap. The middle class. The middle class. He's like, you really got to manage. And this is when it first came out. They knew back then, you really got to get cheap labor yeah. uh, so you can afford to pay the superstars. Yeah. And about, again, back to my point, cheap labor comes from good drafting yeah. and good, uh, South, you know, good Dominican and Venezuelan and Puerto Rican, to, you know, uh, academies that build you hey, don't up. Forget the, um, good, don't forget Cuba. I'm yeah, saying, Cuba, right? no, no, you're right. Serious. But but again, not a lot of teams were immediately ready to put that kind of money into the development. And the Yankees, for all those years, would develop their players and turn around and trade them to, for big names. And and I think that that has as much to do with the change in baseball is a willingness to invest money. Again, there is no limits on how much you can do, how many scouts you can do, how many academies you can start. But all of a sudden, to have that cheap labor that you can either turn around and trade for more assets or work their way up and do what the Astros did. So so just to kind of round this in a form and kind of finish off here, uh, I agree with everything you're just, you're saying, but but I think what, what I'm saying is the money ball has changed, right? The, the, oh, Billy Bean's still doing this, this same thing out in, in Oakland, right? He's been doing it for 15, 20 years now, but he's doing it at the wrong time point of the year he's doing it at the free agent season and that's just not where you he's trading all of his guys who got to get paid he and he's that's the patriots way right mm-hmm. if, if, whenever that guy's that guy's contract's coming to roost off that rookie deal let's get him out of here before we have to pay him the the problem is with baseball you need you need that 20 million dollar contract you need three of those guys who are worth that money to go with five hundred thousand dollar contracts that you've developed and you've drafted you can't just have it all all at once or none at once, and that's where the A's have been for decade a decade now. They 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 trade away three half their pitching staff because they were arbitration eligible for the third time, and they cost ten million dollars. And he'll never do that, from what we've seen. And they've got a bunch of guys who cost five hundred six hundred thousand dollars, and they refuse to sign more than one big name. And that just it's, it's never worked. I don't think it will ever work. You've got to follow the Houston Astros philosophy where it takes years to build up the, those those cheap the cheap labor from international and draft. And then you've got to be able to make the splash like they did with Verlander. Verlander was the last piece of that puzzle, and it cost them a lot of money and a lot of capital. And it got them a roll. But you've got to be able to do that. And the, the Oakland A's Moneyball system has not allowed themselves to do that, and I don't think it'll ever work. That's why there's not a sequel. <laughs> Pretty good movie, though. And Brad Pitt didn't <laughs> want to play the role again. That's why. <laughs> hey, re- uh, real quick in closing, uh, great stuff on baseball. Be sure to go to SpotTrack.com and, and check out uh, all the team rundowns. And you can go into the team and see their positional breakdowns. It's uh, great stuff, as always. Has uh, 60 Minutes had a great piece. Paul uh, told me to what? watch this. Where are we going with this? I just want to mention a player, an athlete. I want to see oh, how, how much he's I thought you were been... talking about last week's 60 Minutes. It was last week. <laughs> it was last if week. If you stuck around no, after... No, no I... Uh, if you stuck no. around after really, the you adult... 60 Minutes last week, I was supposed to think about baseball? No, basketball. <laughs> basketball. Giannis. Oh, it was a great oh, feature yeah. they did yes, on, the, on yes, Giannis. Yes. 
Yes, onto Tutacumpo. And Tutacumpo, yes. Yes, uh, amazing. <laughs> no, it, it, I didn't know his whole story. Yeah. Incredible yeah. story about him, and I'd encourage everybody to go to the 60, CBS News. Yeah. Yeah, it was yeah. great. It was very well done. and watch the story Because we've talked a lot about him here, oh, yeah. and he's still on one of those rookie sort of deals and wait till that comes to roost. And is Milwaukee going to be able to keep him? You know, that part of the story well, he's was- He's making $20 million. He's not on a rookie part, deal. He's been- Fight. Well, right, he's making big money now. Yeah, it kicked in finally. Part yeah. of the deal, part of the story was how he has, you know, raised the, the the Bucks level and sold all these tickets and raised the level of the franchise. And of course, you you watch it, and you go, all right, how long is he going to stick around yeah. there? Is is this the Oakland Athletics conversation we're having, where they've got one big guy that they were willing to pay, but they can't do anything else? Right. Well, Maybe. let's save that for another time. I just want everybody to watch that story on Giannis, and until some we'll talk about in the future here. I like it. Uh, on the podcast uh, for Paul Peck and the founder of SpotTrack.com, Mike Gennetti. I'm Kevin Sylvester. Thanks for listening to the SpotTrack.com podcast.